So please do that. It's going to be next Sunday morning. And then finally, we're starting a new series today called Surprised by Hope. It's, uh, it's borrowed heavily from this book called Surprised by Hope uh, by uh, probably the world's foremost New Testament theologian, N.T. Wright. Um, he's actually going to be in D.C. in about two weeks. And if you're any type of a fan of theology, you should check that out. Um, him, him coming is... I don't know, if you're nerdy and, and, and like theology, he's kind of like the rock star. Like, I'm, I'm going to be probably like a fanboy around him if I see him. Uh, but it, it's a really great book. Uh, gives a really amazing perspective on this, this claim of the resurrection and what it meant then and what it means now. Really powerful uh, his, historical perspective and also futuristic perspective about what it actually means so we're going to be diving into that over the following weeks. When we think of this word resurrection, uh, it, it comes around every year, every Easter, uh, whether you're religious or not, you've probably heard this concept that Christians believe in, the resurrection. And it is probably the most absurd thing that we believe. All right, there's been all types of words, you can think of any words, or lots of words that describe the resurrection, uh, impossible, hoax. Uh, miraculous, mysterious. You could go on both sides of, of good and bad when it comes to finding words that describe the resurrection. But I love the way that N.T. Wright describes it, this word surprise uh, and, and what that word actually means. So actually, we have a lot of kids in here today. We have a family service in here. So kids, can anybody come up here? We need some help. I need someone to come up here and define the word surprise. Who can tell me what that word means? You can get to come up and talk in the microphone. Any volunteers? No? You guys are usually running up here. Oh, I got one. Will, come on up. All right. Will's going to come up and tell us what the word surprise means. Oh, we got Noah coming too. All right. It means that you're... Um, you're face, to, face the audience. There you go. And you hold the microphone. Boom. It means that you're um, really scared or something. Like, you don't even know that it's going to happen. Ooh. Like, when I went to Hershey Park, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> we even got an example out of that. All right, Noah, your turn. What does surprise mean? That you don't know what's happening, and once it happens, you get, you're like, ah, and you're surprised. <laughs> All right. So creative. You guys are right on, the, right on the money with that definition. And I looked it up, so we'll see how close they are. We'll put this on screen, the definition of surprise, just in case we don't know it. It's going to come up there eventually. All right, I'm going to read it. All right, it's up there. An unexpected or, dis or astonishing event, a fact or a thing. It may, as, according to Noah, it may make you say, ah, ah. Or uh, if you go to an amusement park, you're surprised. Um, so Will's had that. Last night I Googled the word surprise. And I picked out two of my favorite images, one that I thought the kids would like. Actually, I really liked both of these, so they both made me laugh. So the first one, that was actually one of the, like, the top five most... Does Mark Wunky look surprised? Is that how you looked when you found out you were going to Hershey Park, Will? Something like that? All right. And then everybody loves a GIF. Uh, this is the other, one of the more popular images that, that popped up. 
Apparently cucumbers can surprise as well. You never know what to expect. And if you're a cat person, you're welcome. All right, surprise, surprise is a word that can... Um, that would have been an accurate description of the resurrection then and now. So even if you've grown up in any kind of religious environment, if you've grown up in church or experienced what it's like to uh, maybe test or follow or believe some of the creeds of Christianity, the resurrection's one of those, uh, I do believe that we can still be surprised about what the resurrection actually meant. And I think over the following weeks as we dive into the different elements and effects of Jesus' resurrection, particularly the elements that I think are widely misunderstood, like the second coming, heaven, judgment. These are words or beliefs that get thrown out and I think are actually uh, misconstrued. Uh, we, we, may have, we may believe in, in things that Jesus didn't even really want us to believe in when it came into to the resurrection or to have a different angle on it. So we're going to explore those over the coming weeks. But today we're just going to celebrate the fact that we are surprised by this resurrection. Um, we're going to take a look at one of the resurrection stories in the Gospels. There's four biographies of Christ in the Gospels. We're going to read out of the book of Mark today. So you, if you have a Bible near you, if you want to grab a Bible, it's going to be Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 14. It's on page 713 of your Bible. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. And this gives us a few different angles about the people that encountered um, the resurrected Christ. You'll notice there's a theme of surprise, disbelief. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. I would like to think they probably looked like this at the dinner table. Something like that, kids. What do you think? When Jesus appeared to them, they might have been a little surprised, a little taken aback, a little terrified. Uh, there's this theme, and you can see it in the writing of the New Testament. Uh, if you look at the four different biographies of Christ, when they're writing, they're constantly referring to the Old Testament and to the law 
into um, the, the, you know, any prophecies about Jesus' death. Something that's never mentioned that they did not, they were not prepared for was the resurrection. This is why they're so shocked. This is not something they expected to see. This uh, completely rewired their brain for what is possible with Jesus. And that's why they didn't believe. And there was... I think there's a, there, were, there was skepticism amongst them. So this section in Mark gives us that glimpse that everybody who first heard the story or encountered them was very surprised, shocked, afraid, bewildered, were some of the words that we, we see in the Greek. Uh, it's one of my favorite facets of our faith. I, re, I really I love the resurrection because of the mystery and even the absurdity of it. I love that. I own that as a Christian. I think sometimes we get into this habit of trying to explain our faith in a very logical way. And I, I, I like risk. I like adventure. I like the, the mystery and the, and the mysticism of following a, a, a man who rose from the dead. And to believe in that and to think about what ma- how that makes other things possible. The chain reaction of that gives me a lot of hope and faith. And I think there's a general myth in academia that skepticism did not exist in the ancient world. It did. That's why you see shock and dismay amongst the disciples. And, the, and, the, and that's just a few of the examples that we see. But we need to grasp the unprecedented nature of this event, of this claim that we believe. Uh, and N.T. Wright said this. He said, notoriously, the accounts of Easter do not fit snugly together. How many women went to the tomb? How many angels or men did they meet there? Did the disciples meet Jesus in Jerusalem or Galilee or both and so on? But surface discrepancies do not mean that nothing happened. Indeed, they are a reasonable indication that something remarkable happened. So remarkable that the first witnesses were bewildered into telling different stories about it. There is no such thing as objectivity. Everything is seen from an angle. It's seen from a flawed perspective. So that when they see and hear what Jesus had done, it's natural that, it's gonna, that the stories are not going to fit seamlessly together. In fact, if they did, I would question the resurrection. I'd be like, no, that sounds too good to be true. You ever have that? Where you think of something like, no, I, I doubt that because it, it fits together too perfectly. That story or that fact or that research you may see. It's like, no, nah, that looks too good to actually be true. I think skepticism and, and surprise is a good thing. The resurrection caught everyone off guard. Jesus' death was shocking, they, um, but they, they, they were shocked by his death, but even more so by his resurrection. They had no mental grasp for this, and it's redefined for them and us the boundaries of life, death, and existence. So that's where we begin today. As we celebrate the resurrection on Easter Sunday, what Jesus did, it changed everything. And we need to embrace the fact that it's still continuing, that there is resurrections happening, all right? I, I think we see some of the pain, without going into too much detail, we see some of the pain that's happening in the last couple of weeks specifically, and we think, how can that continue? And we believe as Christians, like if we interject ourselves into those situations, whether it's physically or through prayer, we believe uh, life can come from death. We believe that hope can find its way in the midst of pain and loss and suffering and that God is actually trying in the midst of this movement to redeem the world and to raise 
people to a new life and to new experience and to experiencing heaven on earth, to experiencing the way God wanted us to experience humanity uh, in his original creation. So it continues on and on and on. I mean, one specific way Jesus surprises us in this way uh, is when we follow him as a community. All right, traditionally, again, referring to if you've experienced church at all, traditionally the church, which is the name for a community of people following Jesus, uh, traditionally has been thought of as more of an institution and less of a, as a movement. The name church is often more associated with a building than a people on mission. And typically church is thought of as something that takes place at a specific time on a specific day rather than in every single second of the week. Not so with Restore. From our start, we have continually gravitated to be a movement-oriented, missional, and relationally-centric community, as opposed to Sunday-centric church. This means that we may not look and feel like a normal church. We are sitting in a pub on a Sunday morning. That would be one example of that. Another example would be um, what we're doing next week. We're running, instead of meeting for a traditional Sunday worship gathering, we're going on mission because we are not an institution. We are a movement. So we respond, hopefully, this is our hope, that we re- when we see a need, we fill a need. We respond to it. We move towards it. All right? Jesus didn't say, come, he didn't say, come and make everybody, you know, get everybody to you. He said, go and make. So we are a sent people, and that is how we try to live as a community. So instead of meeting next Sunday morning, we're going to run in that 5K. We're going to go out on mission. And there's lots of other examples, but we... As a church, as a community, we're trying to allow the resurrection to inspire us to be creative, to realize there are no boundaries when it comes to our ability to serve and to love others and to serve others. We have that opportunity. So in that vein, um, just like Jesus surprised us with the resurrection, I hope our church surprises people. I hope the way that we teach about Jesus, imitate Jesus, gives other people hope. I think it does. I'm biased, but I do think that happens. I think people see either individuals in this room or us as a community, and they take a step back and they're surprised in a hopeful way at the way that we operate as a community of believers. I hope that the way we love others and our willingness to take time out of our routine to serve is impactful for others. I know, I'm, I know, I, I 100% know that our response to the Syrian refugee crisis has inspired people. It gives people hope to see a group of Christians who are willing to step out of their routine financially, use vacation time, uh, interact with a completely foreign culture. We're Western Americans, they're Eastern Muslims. There's all types of excuses we could find, but we move, we go, we love, we serve, and I think that inspires people. Uh, That's just just how, how we operate because of the resurrection we see that anything is possible. And we believe in that. And we have faith in that. As mysterious and weird and as absurd as it may seem sometimes, we respond to that. And we're excited for that mission. So another step in that direction uh, that, that may surprise, uh, it's, it's a more, you know, again, we're swinging the pendulum more towards that movement-oriented, missional, and relationally-centered direction, relationally direction is a new worship gathering venue. Our days of meeting here in McGinty's are coming to an end. Our last meeting will be April 30th here in McGinty's. And on May 7th, uh, for the summer, we're going to be meeting in the living room, which is our space two weeks, or two weeks, two blocks 
uh, from where we're sitting right now. That is where we're going to meet this summer. Um, to describe, if you haven't been to the living room, um, I'll use this word to describe it. It's cozy. All right? It's going to be a little cozier and more intimate uh, than, than McGinty's. Uh, but we really feel like this is where God is calling us to go. It gives us incredible flexibility. All right? it, it, it really decreases setup and teardown. We're going to be pouring um, less time and energy into setup and teardown, and we're going to be receiving, I think, more energy and excitement and inspiration being together on a Sunday morning. And it also, allow, it, it also is an excellent budgetary move for us. Uh, it, it saves us thousands in rent and expenses that go into a Sunday morning worship environment. But that is our next step. Uh, that is what we believe when we think about the resurrection. Everything that we do is a response to what Jesus has done. And we follow a God who has walked ahead of us. There's no place he hasn't been, and he's calling us forward constantly. And we believe this is the next step in that direction of him going ahead of us and saying, all right, let's go. Keep coming. Keep coming further into the kingdom. This is the next direction. And so that's one example of where we're going, uh, particularly for this summer, is moving into the living room for our worship gathering space. So that's big news. That may be surprising news for some of you, but I believe it's hopeful news. I am, we, we are genuinely excited about this move. There's more details to come, but today is not about that news. Today is about the celebration of Jesus and what he did and the faith that we have in that. The, the resurrection reminds us that we always have something to look forward to. Every season of life, every step in a new direction is now filled with hope because of what Jesus did and left the tomb empty. Let's pray.